Hey there, welcome to Above Board with Candor Path. This is Rich and my buddy Matt. What's up, Matt? Hello there. What's up, Rich? So you might have noticed out of the three stooges, the three musketeers, we are missing one. We're missing John, John F. Kennedy. But you know what? The president. The president president. (laughs) Sometimes you just sometimes you just want it to be Rich and Matt. You know what I mean? Just right? I do agree with that. Yes. Although the guy brings a lot of good stuff to our podcast, sometimes it's okay to change it up a little bit and, uh, you know, see what the dynamics look like with uh, maybe just the two you know, better looking ones. That's right. But since the, since, the, uh, since the two better looking ones aren't available, I'll fill in. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got, a, I've got a quote for you, Matt, and I want to see if you can guess who said this. Ready? All right. I'm ready. Choose a job you love and you will never have to work a day in your life. Benjamin Franklin, he said it in 1793 at the steps of the, uh, the, uh, I'm just making things up. No, I, so dumb. <laughs> I have no idea. Supposedly, supposedly it's Confucius, but I don't believe it ah. because it doesn't, it sounds too modern. Choose a job modern. you love and you will never have to work a day in your life. We're going to have to do more research on that, but I did Thank find one know. that was a little bit more modern that I do believe he said this. Um, your work is going to fill a large part of your life, and the only way to be truly satisfied is to do what you believe is great work. The only way to do great work is to love what you do. That was Steve Jobs. Oh. I, I kind of believe that. I can hear him saying that. I definitely can. Yeah. He so, seemed to love what he did. I mean, listen, we don't know the guy, and we obviously can't speak to him now about it, but I'm sure there's a book or two that we can pick up post-podcast. Well, I, I think it's funny that, you know, a guy whose last name is Jobs is talking about work. And mm-hmm. I kind of think that, you know, I always in, in the talks that I do, I oftentimes talk about the difference between our work and our jobs. So I always kind of feel, this is how I interpret it. I don't know if you agree with this. I kind of feel like your job is the stuff you have to do. Let, you know, what time you have to show up, what your tasks are, what your calendar says, but your work is more your heart and your passion. Yeah, so that, I, yeah. That, that's how I look at it. I agree with that. And then I think you could even go even one step deeper and see in the work that you do, what is in your, I think we might've even talked about this. What's your zone of genius? Like, okay, not only do you do it, but you're like, I'm really good at that. And then what are the things that you're like, oh gosh, these just do not, these tasks, this element of my job just does not get me out of bed in the Mm. morning. Mm. Uh, So I think you can even go a step further than that, but I totally agree with that, Rich. So I think what we should talk about today, like we didn't already talk about this. <laughs> this just, is such a surprise. Just, I had no idea we were going to go this route. Thank you, Rich, for guiding we, this podcast for us. We, we were going to talk about our favorite cookie recipes, but we I was going to talk about the gym. I'm, I've been pushing a lot of weight lately. I've been pushing them. I've been pushing around a lot of weight. I wanted to bring it to you guys because I'm the the resident non-worker outer. So no, I was going to talk a, about that. You're a Pelotonian. I broke my toe, so I am. Uh, I'm off Peloton. Uh, How did you break your? T- wait, wait, pause. How did you break your toe? How did I not I, know this? We're not that close that you would call me or text me and go, "I broke a bone." It's a, it's a broken pinky toe. Like it's not oh, that big of lame. a deal until you try to go do anything that requires you to like put pressure on those those areas. So it's not I, a big enough injury that I needed to like inform everybody, but it has kept me off of. <laughs> Like my you're exercise gonna send out, bike. You're going to send out a Facebook post like, 
to all my friends, we ask that you respect our privacy during with this With all that's going time. on in this world. Yeah. With all that's going on, with all of the health issues happening in this world, I think my broken pinky toe <laughs> does not need to be made public knowledge. <laughs> Could you point. imagine if you set up one of those? Like, you know when people want to say some bad news, but they like do it in this real dramatic way. And it's, you know, to, to everybody, all my friends on Facebook, I know that you all are very close and mean a lot to me. Um, but I just wanted to let you know something that's gone on in our family right now that is causing us a lot of stress. Matt has broke broken his pinky toe, not just any pinky toe, but his right pinky toe. And you know he is right-handed. He leads with his right foot. We all ask for your prayers. If anybody wants to sign up for the meal the meal thing, it's, yes. it's going to be done. And we already have Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday filled up, but we could use Monday and Saturday. Um, we ask for your prayers, um, your good thoughts, and to respect our privacy during this discussion. Also, time. he has chosen the ASPCA for you to send any donations to on his behalf for his broken toe. Uh, instead of a gift. So we would like all dollars we, going to a not-for-profit. Not oh my God. Okay. Right, so, where, where were we? This we I think we definitely needed John because at least he keeps no. us back on track. No, maybe John something. Maybe John keeps us down. Why That's are you true. looking at it? Maybe we're That's free. True. We're blossoming yeah. right, now. Free right now. I feel very free. I know. Okay, I, can't so, wait for, I can't wait to hear when it's just you and John what you say about me. Is that oh, even going to happen? Is that going to be a thing? Are you going to ever do I'm one? Do. I'll get upset if you do one without me. I think we definitely will. That sucks. Definitely anyway, gonna happen. Sorry. I think people want that. So listen, everyone, thank you first of all for for checking us out. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about loving your work. Matt, would you say in your life experience of 40 some odd years, would you say that most people love their work? Yeah, you know, I have a really unique perspective of it because as a financial planner, I get to see both of the accumulation years, you know, when you're working, and then all the way to when you transition out of work. And what I thought was really interesting is for most people, they start working, I don't know, call it like in their 20s, like a meaningful job. Right. And most of them try to stop, most of them want to stop at 50 or 55, but let's be honest, it goes it goes closer to 60. So it's at like 40 years or so mm-hmm. of work. And then retirement's generally 65 to call it 95 if we're lucky. And we had a whole discussion about how long we're going to live for, but let's just use 95. There's 30 years. So it's almost like it's not quite equally split between time that you're doing something uh, to to you know that passion in life or what drives you that that forty year stretch, and then you have thirty years to say, okay, I'm either going to do something again and maybe have act two, or say I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to wake up every day and walk on the beach and and have a great retirement. So um, yeah, I think I think to answer your question, um, most people genuinely like what they do because you in this day and age especially, have the option to make some of those changes. And if you're kind of on the fence, whether you should make that change or not, maybe today's discussion helps you uh, kind of think through what are both the pros and cons of doing that. Plus, you know, if you are on the fence, maybe you're a fence installer and you're literally mm-hmm. listening to this podcast sitting on a fence and you're like, how did Matt know I was on a fence? Can you imagine if someone was literally sitting on a fence right now and they're like, why would they sit? Hold on. What, what, why would they sit on a fence? Typically, you're digging a hole, putting the post. Well, maybe they're taking the a break. Fence. Maybe they're taking a break. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it would be weird. That's the best place be to take a break is sitting on. Come on, Rich. <laughs> no, that was a stretch. You know, I I wonder because you're you're the expert in retirement and you deal with that. Is there something to the um, genu- generally accepted statement that, and not to be morbid, but that many people or most people die within a very short time of quote unquote retiring. Is there something to that? Cause you always hear that, like this person retired on Wednesday and on Saturday they were dead because they lost all meaning in their life. Is there any truth to that? I think you hear more of it because how tragic it is. 
and how shocking that that happens to be. Um, um, and and we we did have that happen to we've had we've had that happen a number of times oh, in our horrible. in our planning firm. But one of them in um, I'm not I obviously can't give too much of the description because it's it's a family that we really care about. But you know, for for all intents and purposes, the um the the, the gentleman was that was the primary breadwinner. Him and his wife went on a cruise to celebrate his um his retirement or, or they, they went overseas and and he unfortunately passed away and so oh. for us it was seeing that um hey there's this pot of gold at the end of the rainbow right the work is just about done and then go to enjoy it and i think that that lends to a couple things one is we really have got to enjoy the journey not necessarily the destination i think that that's a big takeaway that i got from it um, we have to enjoy what we're doing and and not worry about well what you know in five years from now i'm gonna you know i'm gonna retire and and that's gonna be it you really have got to enjoy that ride because we don't know when the rides when the ride's going to end so i think that that was a, a big takeaway that i took from it is you have to love what you do and if you don't then there's times there, there's going to be a time to make that that change or, or or that thought might go into your head to say it's time to do it i need to follow my passions and, and my my goals um and i think we see a lot of it online too I mean, this happens to me. I, I just, um, I was flipping through online. I was flipping through TikTok, as a matter of fact. And mm, of course, wow. uh, my, my favorite TikTok. Rich B uh, yeah. was was on there giving some awesome, awesome thoughts and, prov- and, and provocative questions. But I saw one that was a husband and wife who sold everything, got on a sailboat, and I'm a passionate sailboater, um, got on a sailboat, sold everything, and was like, we're going to now just document our journey. We're going to circumnavigate the world on their 50-foot Benetou. Um and so if part of me was like, wow, that would be super cool. I want to look towards the next thing, but realize they they worked really hard to get to that spot. We're seeing the end result of it a lot of the times, not what's happening underneath. It's that whole iceberg analogy is you only see a little bit of what's happening at the top, but all the work, the mass is is under the waves and, and below it. And so, um, so. so do you think that being true, so, and I like that kind of that road to go down because I, I'm picturing the people that are listening to this. And most of them are probably working and we can define work, whatever we can define work as, you you know, you're an entrepreneur, you work for a company, you get a paycheck or you work at home. Your, your job is taking care of a home and taking care of children, whatever it is, all, all the same work, what you spend your life doing, what you earn your living doing, what you do. What would you say, Matt? Because I kind of feel, and I've known you for a while now, I feel, and we could certainly talk about me as well. I really feel like you love what you do. And I've never one time heard you complain about your work. I mean, you've had days that were tough or this situation or that situation, but generally speaking, I feel that there's this enthusiasm you have for managing money and and dealing with clients. And even John and I have talked about that off to the side about how good you are at that and how you really enjoy that part of what you do. So without going into the, the, granular of what you do so we make it applicable to everybody Uh, off the top of your head can you think of some of the ways that people can either fall in love with their work love their work more or figure out this is not where i'm supposed to be i got to be doing something else and i'll I'll offer my thoughts as well but yeah i would i would love to hear yours on that too but i'll I'll jump in and then i'll and then i'll throw it back to you but i think it's first finding your passion Mm -hmm. What, what is it in life that drives you Working with money and working with numbers isn't really my passion. I love working with people and I wanted to help people growing up. 
And I didn't know what I wanted to do helping people. And then I started to love the number side of it. And I thought, and so if you said what drives me today, it's, it's helping people. Now, if I was helping people book hotel rooms or helping people you know, do whatever, I think I would feel the same level of joy that I feel now because I get to help people through making the very, very complicated. I try to make it as simple as possible, right? And that's in the in the field of finance. It is extremely complicated. In the field of tax planning, the tax code is extremely complex. But if I can simplify it for that teacher, if I can simplify it for that stay-at-home engineer, if I can simplify it for these people who can then focus on obtaining their goals, that is what gives me the most joy and fulfillment. It's not making money. It's not buying the best rate of return or any of those crazy metrics that we, we talk about oftentimes. It's the, it's the helping people. And so for me, that is the driving motivation um, behind what it is I do. Now, the, the, the way that I get to do that is through finance, but it, it would be, I think I would feel the same way if I was helping the mass public do anything that had some, some sort of meaning that that's as impactful as what we're doing right now. So what, what that brings up for me, I, I like to listen in, in the, in the center of what you're saying. I like to dig into what you're saying. You're saying that it, you're, you're, you know, the why of, of your job and your why is a why that anybody can focus on. If you're a barista at Starbucks, if you are a, an installer for Lowe's, if you are a nurse, if you are a teacher, if you're a neurosurgeon, if you're a Uber driver, to understand what connects you to the why. And if if there's somebody that can't find that why, so we'll use you for example, there's a, a money manager or an investment advisor who just is like, well, I, you know, I don't know. I've always been kind of good with numbers and the stock market's kind of cool. So that's, that's why I'm here. Mm, kind of a weak why. And then if you talk to that person and they said, what really makes me happy is when I sing. And you're like, what? You know, and then you find out that their passion is entertaining and making people happy through singing or themselves. So for, for you, your why is actually helping people and your how is through financial planning. It could have... Maybe had you a different mind or different skill set, you might have been a nurse or a teacher or a, a swimming instructor or whatever. Your why is helping people. And I would say for me, I became a nurse through a strong why is I really wanted to help people. And, and mm. for me, it, it I was an actor <laughs> before I was a nurse. So That's I mean, a, oh, it, let's, let's die. No, you're, you're not gonna, you're not gonna dominate this conversation. Let's talk about the actor. Why, uh, how do you take your true passion, which is acting? And how did you apply that to nursing, which you're not in front of a group generally with nursing, you're working one-on-one -on -one with a patient, or yeah. you're maybe talking with doctors or, or you're in triage or trauma and you're, you're doing one thing that seems really far from acting. How did you bring the, both of those together? Yeah. I had an awakening in my twenties and it, it, the awakening in my twenties was I'd spent most of my life in performing arts from childhood all the way through college. I, I studied at the Lee Strasberg theater Institute at NYU and, you know, Lee Strasberg is the method actor master and, I, you know, legitimately was on, on a course, I probably think to have been pretty successful. I, I, I had, I stayed with it and I think I hit a wall in my twenties where I realized that I didn't feel like I was doing anything for the world. I felt like, and this is not a slam to anyone in the performing arts, but for me, I felt like I was just about me 
And it was all about what job could I get? What role could I get? And why didn't I get this lead? And then my dad got very sick. And when my dad got very sick, I started helping take care of him. And when I started helping take care of him, uh, a nurse said to me, you would make a really great nurse. And it was like a, a light went on in my head. And that that was that was my why. And I did change gears quite significantly. Interestingly enough, though, with what I do now as a speaker, where I am in front of sometimes thousands of people, many times hundreds and dozens and on virtuals and, and I've written three books and all that fun stuff. I've definitely been able to bring the two worlds together. This need to help people, this talent or skill, if you want to call it, to be able to perform or entertain and to be able to bring it together into one kind of ball, if you will, or to one kind of skill set. So I have this weird mix of skill sets that you often don't see, which is why I probably didn't go down the road. I, I wanted to maybe be a chief nursing officer, you know, an executive or be a nurse practitioner and be real clinical. I ended up going down this road of being a consultant and a speaker and writing books and stuff. So it is an interesting path. And for me, my why has always been to help people much like you. And now I've gone from the obvious helping people of healing and medicine and, and healthcare to helping people that deliver healthcare because I talk to people about burnout and taking care of themselves. So for both of us, it's interesting because very different paths, very different mindsets, very different skill sets. But for both of us, it comes down to helping people. So number one, it sounds like we both landed on the same thing. For people to know the why of what they do helps them to fall in love with their work. And if for some reason they sit there and they're like, I hate this, this doesn't fill me, uh, fulfill me. It doesn't make me happy. I'm, I dread going to work every day. First, try to see if you can find that why and that meaning. And if you can't, would you agree that maybe it's time to look elsewhere? I definitely do. I definitely think it's, it's, there's nothing that can hold us back, but ourselves. Now, again, we all both, we, we both didn't start, I didn't start by being a successful financial advisor, right? That, that's not how you come out of college as a, as a 22 year old and say, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a financial advisor tomorrow. There's a very difficult path to doing so in our industry. One, it's either you have to sell a product, which again was something that I really didn't want. That's not helping somebody that's helping myself. Um, and the other way was, was, was through the method that I chose, but to do that is a very long trajectory. And so starting day one is I knew where I wanted to go, but it, it, I wasn't quite ready to get, to get to that spot. So what, what can I do? How can I put money in the bank? How can I pay the bills? How can I live and still achieve this long-term goal? And so I started valeting cars and I said, okay, what can I do on nights and weekends? And I can make some money and I can valet cars. And it was, it was a kind of a cool job as a cash job. And so uh, I love driving vehicles. Um, and so I got a job. I would work all day working as a financial advisor, which didn't quite pay the bills at the beginning. And then I would, I would valet cars at night. And it, it was all great until the point in time in which I met with someone during the day who, who came in from out of town. And that night I valeted her car um, at the hotel that she was staying at in downtown Orlando, where we, where we are. And I said, okay, I think at this point I've, I've, I've hit the crossover to, to move on from this job. Uh, then I sold health insurance for a bit. You know, it was, it was, it was a, it was an easy job, something that everyone needs. I wasn't, I sold a, a very reasonable type of product, but I needed to, I needed bills. And at that point in time, I was getting ready to propose to my now wife. So I needed, needed to have something there. And so I continue to work these side gigs so that I could achieve this long-term goal. Now that was 
Uh, let's see, we're in 2021 now. I started in this business in 2002. Um, and so, wow. gosh, we're coming up on 20 years now, but it wasn't 20 years of this is easy. I just love to help people and I'm just going to sit behind my desk and do whatever I want to do. It was, there's a lot of things that, that worked in my favor to get to that, but a lot of it was hard work and not losing sight. Cause think about that working all night long, valeting cars, making a hundred bucks is nothing exciting, especially as my friends came out of college making at the time 30 and $40,000, which you know, you graduated college back in 2000s. That was sort of like the entry level trajectory to where you would go. And um, here I was making a hundred bucks a night and, and, and making very little at the, at the primary job that I had. But I knew where I wanted to go and I knew I would do anything to get to that point. And quitting was not an option. So it was doing those things. And I know you sort of had that similar trajectory as well. It wasn't an easy ride to becoming where no. you are today. No, not at all. If anything, you know, it's, it's funny. I won't go into that many details. Um, but I also had a job at night where let's just say I worked in clubs and, um, while let's I was see, in oh, for those nursing, watching this, let's see, well, do you have any moves left? <laughs> well, I was shimmy. a nurse. I could have been a bartender. Why did you automatically go to that? I could have been a <laughs> bouncer, but I was also in nursing school. And it's so funny because I realized, cause you've shared with me that story about valet parking and then running yeah. into somebody and how that was kind of awkward because you don't want the person to think like, you know, you want to project success. Not that there's not anything wrong whatsoever with valet parking, but it was a, it was a moment for you. And for me, I had that moment where I was working in a club and um, twice uh, some students came in that were students that I was in school with. And then another time a professor came in and it was a very <laughs> uncomfortable that had moment. To, it had to get weird real quick. The professor tipped very well. But yeah. the point is that was for me kind of an awakening of I've, I've really got to start putting my focus more in, in this one direction. So falling in love with what you do is is having a why a connection to a why if you've fallen out of love with what you do the automatic assumption shouldn't be to bail just like in a relationship right you're not getting along with your significant other doesn't mean you break up you know you're not getting along with your kids doesn't mean you give them to you know your brother and sister to raise and you're done and you go sail around the world you 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 focus on that it, have you had moments where maybe you lost a little bit of your connection with your why? And if so, what did you do to get it back? And if not, then you can toss it to me. And yes, most, def most definitely. It's not, I don't think you're normal unless you do. There's always going to be elements that you're like, okay, did I make the right decision? Okay. Um, but I think that's where by having a level head, by not making a decision when you're emotional, by not making a decision uh, without thinking through it, being very analytical and saying, okay, I have fallen a little bit out of love with this. I, I need to make a change. And that happened most recently. I mean, this was four years ago uh, where John and I decided that, hey, we sort of fell out of love a little bit with what we were doing and we needed to make a change. And that's really what started Candor Path was number of reasons, but one of them was a lack of happiness. Mm -hmm. It had nothing to do with money. Um, mm -hmm. it's, everyone knows starting a business from scratch, you're not transitioning over dollars to dollars that you're starting back off in the hole again, basically. So it wasn't a money decision. Um, it was a happiness decision. And so, yes, at 18 years of doing this, of having a very steady trajectory, a steady path, a, you know, a, a very good um, uh, income to say, I, I'm, I'm just not happy 
I love what I do, but I'm not happy with some of the ancillary things that I do. I need to make a change. And um, that didn't come without planning. It didn't come without being non-emotional during that time period. Um, it, it came with a lot of stress and a lot of headache. And I think I've shared this before on the podcast. I lost during that period of time. I'm not a, not a big guy, but I lost like 20 pounds of weight um, stress during that period of time. Looking back on it now, four years later, it was it was easily the best decision um, I, I've ever made. And I think John would say the same, but he's not here. So we can say whatever he Well, he but you guys, you, we talked about that when we did our podcast. And for those of you that are listening, yeah. we've, we've got bunches, go check them out. But the one that we did about partnership, and I believe that, you, you know, you shared that story. And I think there's, for me, at the end of the day, and I always try to put myself in the shoes or the seat of somebody listening to this. They're sitting in a car listening to this. They've got their their AirPods on and they're in the gym listening to this. And maybe they're struggling with how they feel about their work and they're struggling with their career paths. And you know they, they maybe have people depending on them and not everybody could just go, that's it. I'm now going to pursue my tap dancing career that I've always dreamed of doing because that might just not be realistic for them. But I always think of when I look around in the world, people that have their head down and just feel like they've got to do what they're doing and there's no other way. And I always, and I was looking up this quote because this quote, I, I can never remember the exact words, but this quote has always sat with me. It's from Henry David Thoreau, who is super quotable. Um, I'm sorry, who is, is, a, is it someone famous? Henry who is, David, Henry David who is, Thoreau. <laughs> You're so dumb. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to throw you off of this podcast. Um, <laughs> And he uses the word men, but we can just put in the word people. Most men leave lives of quiet desperation and go to the grave with the song still in them. And whoa, like when I think of that quote, it stills me because I think to myself of, of people who are just like, you know, I got to show up, do my nine to five, another day, another dollar. You know, we're just the children in the basement, living the dream, that mentality and then all of a sudden you do wake up and you're 67, 68, 69, 70, whatever. And you're either, I got to still work or, well, I guess that was it, you know? And depending on what you believe in that, you know, A, we die and we turn to dust and we're nothing. B, we come back as something else. C, we go to another place after we pass away. You know, there's there's an afterlife of some sort of heaven or, or whatever you want to think of it. But no matter what you believe in, what the facts are, we're here, <laughs> you know, and the facts are we may be living in the matrix, but even if we are, we're here and this is us. God, I and love the matrix. Uh, by the way, part four is coming out soon. Part four how is excited. coming out. It is how very exci- cool. Keanu's I'm, coming back, which how could that even be? I don't um, know. I gave my wife a 40 minute analysis of all three parts because I really want her to come see part, part four with me. Um, she was bored to tears. Okay, so, so I will I will come see part four with you, but I have to watch... I have to watch. So, so Lauren and Don and maybe Jackie can all get together, John's wife, yes. and then maybe the three of us. I don't know if John would be into it. Do you think John would be into the Matrix? Uh, we'll drag him. I mean, listen. I mean, he, he doesn't he's like Marvel suit. But you know what he's not into? What we are both into? Polta. Harry Polta. I know. We want to do a full podcast on just geeking out over it. It's not appropriate for today, but. But we're going to call it a Pottercast. I cannot because we are Potterheads. Do you the, know the that there is a face mask out? We're totally squirreling right now. We apologize to I everybody. Don't care. I there is a face this. mask out that when you exhale, it turns into the map. 
The Marauder I Map. I am Googling that as we speak. It's a thing. Somebody sent it to me on TikTok, and I apologize to whoever. And by the way- I am promise I am up to no good. Do, do you do that? And yeah, then yeah, it yeah. Appears? It, it, you breathe, and when, you're, when you exhale, the heat from your breath changes the map. Anyway- this, this Someone's birthday I, is coming up very soon. I know because I bought you a mug last time. When's your birthday? You didn't. The 31st of August. I was the oldest kid in class every single year. I could do whatever I wanted to. I still have time. I still have time. So yes. this whole idea of keeping of dying with the song still in you, what I think that means is not singing your song, not living your best life, not doing what 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 is what comes from your heart and i understand that sometimes what pays the bills is not always what gives you thrills what puts money in the bank is not always what's in your heart and what makes you smile i i understand that but boy if you're going to spend 30 40 years earning a living you might want to think about where's your heart in this? Where's your why in this? And if you can find it, then focus on that. So for example, if you're a burnt out teacher, but what gives you the most thrill as a teacher is, is sharing new information or mentoring other teachers, then to put your focus on that so that you can reconnect to your passion or your why. If you're a person who's in healthcare and God knows my friends and colleagues in healthcare are having a tough time, it's putting your focus on what kind of elevates you and gives you hope and gives you heart and makes you smile. And that may be little moments, you know, because I'm sure a lot of your day isn't helping people, Matt. Like I'm sure, you know, the big chunk of your day is maybe focused on Excel spreadsheets and documentation yep, and, it is. and compliance and all these exciting, fun things. But it's being able to give yourself that moment where you say, wow, you know, Monday was a big day on compliance. So that's kind of a heavy thing, not something I love very much. So at 12.45, I'm going to call such and such a client who I always love talking to and just touch base with them and see how they're doing because I know that will fill my heart. Rich, I think it's that. I also think, and and I know that everyone's not going to have the same luxury, so I don't want to make a blanket statement, but being able to completely disconnect from work. I love work because I get to disconnect from it at certain times. And I, I've said this to John, and he's notorious for not disconnecting. But there, you got to be able to turn it off sometimes because if it's the only thing you think about, then – and we've talked about this. We all have families. We'll have little ones that are – and we're missing some of those things because we're just focused on what we love to do, which is work all the time. Then we're going to miss out on another – if you think of it as a stool, another another leg there. And without all of our legs, we're, we're going to collapse. Uh, so I think I think that's a big part of it. I take a vacation a very intentional vacation. It's generally long in in what's considered vacation these days, but it's two weeks. I'll, I'll just say it. I take two weeks. I do not want to think about work for week number one. And then week number two, it's sort of an on and off thing. And most of the time I'm, I'm not. But John, I know I have to say this to him a lot, is like, hey, you really have got to disconnect. You've got to take time. And for our company, if we're going to be practicing what we preach um, when and we're actually getting ready to make a, a potential another new hire here, we changed the language in our um, in our hiring packet that didn't say you have two weeks of vacation a year. We said you must mandatorily take one month of vacation a year. You have no choice. We're either going to kick you out or you can take it on your own. Now, please don't take thirty days in a row because that's certainly going to disrupt <laughs> business. And I know that each company has their own little unique thing, but we decided if we're going to practice what we preach, we know. And I said this to John as well. He is at his best when he's not distracted, when he's not stressed, 
when he's not overloaded. And the only way to do that is every now and again to hit that reset button, realign things, take time away, and then come back and then you're at your best again. And so I think that's a really big component. And if you're this business owner and you're like, how do I retain and hire and attract? Try thinking of it that way of not, you don't get the standard two weeks and one week every additional year. And again, I know some businesses that that's the only way to do it. But we decided to throw in there the opposite of what you must do. And, and you must take at least a minimum amount of time away from the office. And and I think to your point, because of course, as you said, everybody's different. Not everybody is afforded that luxury and or has the ability to do that. But taking that time away, so it could be a, a day. It, it could be a meal. It could be 15 minute meditation. You know, and I understand that. I I know what it's like to work five 12 hour shifts with one day off. And that mm. one day I really just spent sleeping because I was working night shifts and doubles and crazy amounts of time. And for somebody to say to me, oh, go take some time off, I probably would have, I would have like gotten angry with them. But I've realized with some maturity, not to be so literal about everything. Like it doesn't mean, yeah, go take a month. Oh, must be nice. You know, my favorite must be nice. You know, the person that works their butt off and is super, super like made major sacrifices in their life. And they're finally reaping the benefits. Somebody goes, must be nice. And you're like, yeah, you weren't here when I was, you know, getting three hours of sleep. I haven't been taking a month off for the last 20 years. This is more of like a newer thing, but again, it's after 20 years of, of doing something. I agree with that, Rich. Of course. But it's, it's so that people can make it, make it so that it's not cookie cutter. What we're saying is what works for you or what can you do if you're listening to this? And maybe it's, you can have somebody come in at 12 to cover for you instead of leaving at five. And from 12 to whatever time you go to the gym, go take a yoga class, go sit on the beach, go walk by the lake or go hiking, whatever it is to just disconnect. Even if it was for five or 10 minutes a day, you know, my wife and I started, we both go to the gym, we both work out. And we started doing this thing where we walk. Yesterday, we walked three miles and we try to do it at least three times a week. It has been such a nice thing because we're not on our phones. We don't, you know, we try not to text other people. We just talk to each other. We get some vitamin D from the sun. And that disconnect has really helped us be better parents, be better at what we do, all these different things. So finding the why of what you do. Having a method or a way to disconnect. And if that disconnect could be you're taking two weeks off or a vacation or a long weekend, or if that disconnect is a 15-minute meditation or or a 30-minute yoga class or going to the gym for an hour or whatever, getting ice cream, whatever it is, finding a way to disconnect. And last, how do you deal? Because your your job and your career is I kind of look at it as high stress. I only know this because I know you guys. I live next door to John. So to your point about disconnecting, I hear him when he's on his patio on a phone call when I'm letting my dog out or when I'm on a break between my calls when I'm home and I can hear him. So what do you do with, separate from taking a break and going vacation, in those moments where you have an extremely stressful day, how can you share that? with other people that might be experiencing that what's do you have a secret do you have a hack do you have a life experience that that you use you know what it it really is just taking is looking through the day and saying when do i have a moment for me Mm -hmm. and doing something and that might be gardening that might be working out but that might be doing something intentional and i know a lot of companies are moving towards that i know a lot of companies especially with us now from the from a, a, a large majority working from home 
I'm now in an empty home today, right? The kids are at school. My wife is out uh, uh, doing some things and, and, and running some errands. And I, I have the house to myself. So what's stopping me from getting up and walking out? I've always said, and this is going kind of circling back to your uh, Steve Jobs, is we have a lot of these, a lot of people have these little watches on their arms. Every 50 minutes, it tells me, hey, dummy, stand up and go do something. Don't sit here for another 50 minutes. However, I just, however, you have a broke pinky toe, so you're limited now. You well, can I do handstands. I am, I am definitely able to <laughs> limp around the house. But um, no, it, it's, it's that type of thing. It's, the other day, I said, I've got to get out of here. Because the other the downside to work from home is we work all the time. And I was like, okay, I got to go get a car wash and go run an errand just to literally get out of the house. So that I don't just sit here all day long because you will get you will get burnt out. Um, and again, it's it's a sign of the times a little bit with how we're all shifting or, or some of us are shifting to, to homework, but working from home. Um, but yeah, it's it's being very intentional about taking a necessary break. Now, also, my job does have the luxury of having hours of 930 to four. So, mm-hmm. you know. I can I can stop the day at five because technically the you know the, the markets are closed and I'm fielding questions or doing some answers, um, but uh, you know it's it's really doing that. And when my day is done, again another thing that I've talked to John about: when my day is over, my day is over. And if a phone call comes in and a, an email or a text comes in, there's really nothing I can do at that point, especially as it gets later in the day and if if the financial markets are closed, there's nothing I can do anyway. So it's it's saving that for the following day and, and hitting that thing first thing when, when available. But um, and nights and weekends are my time. Right, that's, and there's a really lesson. Important. There's a lesson to be learned from that. No matter what somebody's work schedule is, whether they're a teacher waking up very early in the morning and they're done by you know three or four o'clock, or a nurse that's working seven a.m. to seven p.m. or seven p.m. to seven a.m. or a firefighter or whatever a factory worker that has maybe an eight to four, nine to five. You know, it doesn't matter. Everybody can find a way to create boundaries for themselves and and boundaries for what it means to cut off. And I know I struggled like I struggled with that a lot when I was a nursing executive, a nursing leader because I was on call and even when I was done with work, my phone would ring and I had responsibilities and I had to talk to my staff and it was hard and and it was very difficult to, I owned, I felt like I owned everything and I, I couldn't. And I had a senior leader, I had a mentor say to me, if you want to be a leader or do you want to be a leader? Or do you want to be a manager and a manager, not by title. We're not talking about title. Like my title is a manager, meaning as a person, a leader or a manager, a manager deals with everything and just manages and tries to get all the pieces. A leader is able to kind of get people put in place that can kind of do things and take care of things so that you could be more of an advisor, a mentor, and, and kind of be able to step back and trust people to be able to do what needs to be done. So what I'm hearing from you and what we both landed on is, is kind of finding your passion, making sure that whatever you're doing, you find the why of it and you connect to that. And if you can't, then you got to reevaluate. So Rich, let me ask you, uh, I've, also, I've often thought about, okay, I love what I do. Right. I love, I love other things too. I don't just love right. only helping people. I don't just love finances and numbers. I, there's other interests I have. Have you ever thought about what, and I've said this, I think I said this earlier in this podcast, is what act two looks like. Maybe you slowly start to transition up out of this high stress, um, you know, very intense position. You're like, hey, I, I still love to do that, but 
act two means I'm going to do it a little bit different. Have you thought about what your act two is? Yeah, I have. And, and I, I kind of feel like it's still going to be somewhat connected to what I do now. I love, I love who I work for and I love what I do and I love my company that I, that I do full time. I didn't mean that by the way. Yeah. We're yeah. not that you're going to yeah, give no, your no, two no. week notice tomorrow. It meant to be down the road right. years from now. Sorry. I, I just want to convey that. I think, yeah, I, I really, I've written three books and they, they're definitely within the healthcare world, but I've fantasized or I've thought about, um, you know, writing. Um, I've thought about working more in the financial world, uh, doing some things that, that might make a difference for people, not as an advisor, but in general, I think that many people should look at their 2.0, 3.0 selves. And what, what is it that, you know, I had a 1.0, which was, I was going to be a, you know, Al Pacino didn't work out. I had a 2.0 where I was going to be, you know, Florence Nightingale, Mr. Mr. Florence Nightingale or Lawrence Nightingale, let's call it. And, and now my act three is, or my 3.0 is, you know, being, you know, speaker and, and an author and all that. And I think my 4.0 is going to bring a lot of those things together. But I think that's a good point because a lot of people go to the grave with the song still in them thinking that they're just a 1.0, but they're, they're, you can have a two. I mean, there's like, fam- I can't remember the name of the actor, but there's so many examples. There's like that famous actor that that never really made it until he was in his 50s. Or there's that author that wrote her first book in midlife. You know, it, it, not everybody is, you know, Kylie Jenner and is a billionaire because their family was on TV and they sold amazing makeup or whatever, whatever it is that she's made billions of dollars doing. So I, I think that's a great question. And so ask yourself if you're listening to this. You know, what is your 2.0? What's your second act? What is that? Because we've already talked about connecting to your why. We've talked about taking a break. We've talked about taking, you know, setting boundaries for yourself. What's the future hold? What write it down. I'm big on journaling. I just bought, look at this. I bought the coolest journal. It's like this, it's a very Harry Potter like looking journal. It's got like like, the worn leather. It is, and it's got a griffin on it. See, it's got like a griffin and it's got these little latches. But I love, I love writing in these things. Because I feel like it's my safe place. I feel like I can put down my thoughts and, you know, what I would love to do. So I think if anything, being above board, being honest and being straightforward with people, think about that. What's wrong with that? What if, if that time, that, that vacation or that meditation or whatever you spent thinking, you know, I, you know, I want to sell my art on eBay or, or Etsy, or I want to, you know, go become a yoga instructor, or I want to learn about Reiki, or I want to learn about finance or whatever it is. It's never too late, right? I mean, you've seen people, you've told me this, you have people that you manage money for that were very successful in one thing and then kind of shifted gears and started doing something else, right? They didn't just retire and stop. And some of it was through no um, through no planning of their own. You know, COVID has changed a lot of our lives. And so some of them um, one in particular was was laid off, and I said, and he said, "Hey, can can I retire now?" I'm, I I was forced out, and I said, "We're just a, a hair too early to retire. I just need you to go do something for a little bit longer." Um, he went and got a job, works for a nonprofit. Um, I, I talked to him recently. I'm actually going to get rid of a meeting, and, and he makes far less than what he made as an executive. But he didn't need to. We just needed benefits, and we needed him to get through this little bridge of time. And I met with him not so long ago. I said, "Mike." 
my job now is so easy. It's so simple for what I do and I love it. It's not just easy, but I love what I'm doing now. And yes, I'm not the executive that I was. And I told him, you don't really need to be. All you need to do is get through this little gap in time age-wise so that we can get some of the benefits that we need to get at, 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 a, at an older age. But um, he said to me, he said, this is so easy. I said, this worked out as well as it could. It, it certainly didn't feel like it at the time. And you know what? Um, being laid I, off. I wonder also if one, one of the things that we're not putting on the table is who you are as a person. Well, let me say this in a different way. How you show up in your life when you love what you do. So how you show up as a spouse or a significant other, how you show up as a parent, how you show up as a family member or a friend. We all have dealt with that person who hates what they do. I went to, um, I won't, I, uh, it's okay. I went another sponsor we won't have. I went to Dunkin' Donuts not too long ago and it was two different experiences. One I went to and when I pulled up to the drive-thru to buy my kids some donuts, the kid goes, welcome to Dunkin', gonna take your order. And I said, hey, how are you today? He goes, I work at Dunkin' Donuts. I guess I'm living the dream, right? And I was like, ugh. Ordered my donuts, whatever. Went to a different one on the way home from the gym. That sounds hypocritical, but it wasn't for me. And when I pulled up- <laughs> Sure. Yeah. And when I pulled up, the young woman said, welcome to Dunkin' Donuts. We're excited to take your order. What can I do for you today? And I was like, hi, how are you? She's like, I'm awesome. Thanks for asking. How are you? And it was such a different experience. And I thought to myself, the other kid might've just been having a tough day or whatever, but- when we hate what we do, we show up in our world in a different way than when we love what we do. Don't you agree? A hundred percent. And and that's where you pick up some of these traits and some of this, you know what? Some days you just got to power through it and put that smile on and, and you can then apply that when you get into maybe what it is you're passionate about and you say, gosh, there's some rough days, but you know what? I'm a professional. I'm going to put my smile on and I'm going to treat this as a professional because I'm doing what I love to do and not every day is full of roses and sunshine, but I was able to learn that at a young age that sometimes you just gotta, my, my first job, my first real job was working in a call center. Who, who would like working in a call center? And I, you know what? I needed a job. I was in college and I, I worked in this call center and I was, I, I just, said, this is what I'm doing. This is how I make money. And it was, it was selling um, alumni membership. So it was a warm, it was a warm call center. It wasn't like this cold, like you weren't like, hey, Jordan, you, you weren't like Jordan Belfort. Yeah. Yeah. Like- I wasn't like, if, yeah, okay, I got a stock tip for you though. This was like, Hey, I worked for the alumni of the college you went to. We would love to have you, you know, as, as an alumni member, would you, we're raising money for whatever, whatever. And so, um, two weeks or three weeks into the job, I got a tap on my shoulder and said, Hey, listen, the the supervisor of this room, this call center of twenty you know twenty students basically, he's moving on. We're looking for others, and I didn't know that. I just was making my so whatever five bucks an hour and 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 living is in air conditioning. It was three or four hours a night of work. It was a pretty easy job, and so you never know when that opportunity comes. You never know when just putting your head down and working sometimes and and making it the best can lead to bigger opportunities. In that case, it did. And yep. honestly, I'm here today because of that job. The, the boss that I then had said, hey, we'd like you to stay on and, and keep working. I worked there for all four years of college. Um, and I said to him very politely, thank you very much. I've had a great four years, but I, I just got this degree in finance. I would love to be able to do something in finance. And he said, I actually know somebody. I'll set you up with an internship. And 20 years later, here I am. So wow. it all came from this job where I was in a call center, which 
again, we all got in that phone call at dinner time. No one wanted to talk to me. I made the best of it. I put a smile on my face. I was actually quite good at it. And um, that led to where I am today. This can happen for anyone listening right now. Do the best at what you are and, and find your passion. As Rich was saying, find your why and let then some time it takes to, to take its course. Well, and you know what? It, it reminds me of the old kind of adage or the old saying, fake it till you make it. And that sounds pretty negative, but hidden within fake it till you make it is the last two words, make it. You, you made it. So if you had to fake it to be able to make it, you still made it. Sorry, that's my my Doberman oh, bark, barking in the background, agreeing wrong. strongly with what Who's I have to say. Who's at the door? I want to I know, is know. it an Amazon order? It probably is. But, but you know what? Even on a day that you have to fake it till you make it, like you said, put your head down, put the smile on your face, fake it till you make it. I think at the end of the day, it still helps you to make it. You still get through and there's times that you have to do that. There's times that sometimes you're not maybe going to thrive, but you're going to survive. And, and there's sometimes that maybe when that happens, you don't necessarily decide that that's who I am all the time. That's just, we all, we're all entitled to a bad day, bad week, bad season, whatever it might be. And then you come back and you have your 2.0 or you, you, you re you have your redo or your remake. So I think that's great. Listen, if there's anything that I am taking away from this is there's a way to get excited again over what you do. There's a way to, to reconnect. There's a way where we don't have to go to the grave with our song still in us. Sing your song. Wouldn't you agree? I love that. I And I, I want to sing my song right now, Rich. Go ahead. You sing it. Do, 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 do. That's supposed to be the Harry Potter like like theme. Does that have a does that have a title? Is it just called the Harry Potter theme? I think so. I don't know. Everybody's homework. Listen, we want to say thank you first of all to everybody that's listening. We are approaching twenty thousand downloads for our podcast. That's a big number for us. We've got a bunch of podcasts. Go check them out on the list. Some of them are over a thousand downloads. I want to thank all of my followers on TikTok that I, I'm on there as The Rich Bee. Also on Instagram as Memento The Rich Bee. And also on YouTube as The Rich Bee. We want, I want to thank all of you guys. I've seen some amazing comments from some of you, some really awesome things. Thank you for taking the time. We ask that you would please share, like, comment, on our podcast, please let people know about it. It would mean a lot to us. We're doing this because we love it. There's that's it. That's we've already. Ooh, burned- that's a good full circle one. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Why did we do a podcast? Because we love we, it. We like each other. We like yeah. to talk. We love yeah. sharing our knowledge about things. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a really good example. And if you love those things too, you start a podcast and let us know. Yeah, and we'd love to be guests on your podcast. So until the next time, thank you for listening to Above Board with Candipath. This is Rich and Matt saying peace out and we will see you on the other side. Later.